That was awesome. Thanks to the Gospel Quartet. Thanks to all of you for being here. Turn to the person next to you and say, and hopefully you can mean it, I'm genuinely glad that you are here at Hope today. Tell them thanks for coming. And that goes for all the people here in West Des Moines, full house today. We praise God for all of you. Thank you for coming. Every single one of you in the midst of thousands matters, and we care deeply about you. This is a big church, but I encourage you to find your neighborhood, find your group, find your ministry, find the place where you find your sisters and brothers in Christ. And for some of you, I've started to notice who sit in the same place at the same service every week. You're developing neighborhoods in the road. It's like, where are the Johnsons today? Have you seen them? You know, they're usually right here next to us. That's good. I encourage that. Keep that going. So keep shepherding over the flock in your section, uh, wherever you are. And also, uh, hello and a thank you to all of our campuses, all of our locations, our local sites. A week or two ago, two weeks ago, I jumped the gun and I said hello to our local site in Newton. They're not meeting yet. So that was a little awkward. We all said hi to the camera and everything, so sorry, my bad. I'm on a need-to-know basis, apparently. I can't keep up with the growth at Hope. They're starting next week, so we'll say hi to them next week. Uh, and in addition to the folks in Kansas City and in Omaha and in all of our local sites around Iowa, uh, all of our campuses. Hello, Grimes. I see you out there. Uh, and Ankeny and uh, our campus at Des Moines, Hope Elam and Ames and Waukee. Hello, Waukee. Um, good to have you all here today. Uh, welcome to Hope. We're in the midst of this series of sermons called Ten Commandments in Nine Weeks. It's God's Big Ten list, if you will. And at the top of the charts, I think this is fascinating. This is a good place to start since we're zeroing in on the fourth commandment today. Fourth in the Lutheran, Orthodox, Catholic, accurate numbering system of the Ten Commandments. I kid, it doesn't matter the numbers. The numbers aren't in the Bible, as I said a few weeks ago. The content is the same. It's just different traditions number them in different ways. So we're a Lutheran Church of Hope, so this is the way we number them. But we're covering the same commandments. We're zooming in on number four today, honor your father and your mother. But I wanted to start here. Remember, if you will, or learn if this is your first time at Hope, there are two tables, two tablets of the Ten Commandments. And each of these tablets has a different theme. All of God's commands fall into one of these two categories. The first category is you and your relationship with God, or us and our relationship with God as a community. The second category is you and your relationship with other human beings, or us and our relationship with one another as communities or as nations. Table one is about us and God. Table two is about us and others. At the top of the list of table number one, the relationship between us and God is you shall have no other gods, the greatest commandment on table one. The greatest commandment on table two, believe it or not, because this one tends to be sort of a sweep away for a lot of people. I want to encourage you not to be spiritually lazy on this one. Let's start right here. How many of you at any point in your life have had a parent? Raise your hand. Okay, then this one's relevant for you. This one, you say, well, but my, my parents are deceased, or, or they're gone, or it's not relevant for me anymore, or I don't have kids at home, or I'm not a parent, or, or, or so it's not for me. And, and this is just for, you know, young families with little kids, right? So wrong. It's so much broader than that. It encompasses all of us. It includes any of us who've ever had a parent. Honor your father and mother. Top of the charts, on the table, it has to do with us and our relationship with others because family matters to God. And so we're going to start at home, God says. I'll get into the other ones, 5 through 10, which are infinitely significant and important. We'll, we'll cover those over the next several weeks. 
But at the top of the charts is this one. If we're going to start talking about our relationships with other people, we're going to start at home. We're going to start, about, we're going to start with that relationship between us and a parent or parents. And that's not always easy, especially when we look even closer at what God is getting at in the original text. Our Bible reading for today, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, wherever you are, online even, at another location or here in West Des Moines, let's read this one verse, Ephesians 6, 1, top right of the screen. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. We get it, right? But then in the wisdom of this world, it says, yeah, but there's loopholes. It's okay if you have a bad parent, or you have a flawed parent, or you have an imperfect parent. I've just described every parent who ever existed. And so this is how easy the cop-out and the loophole is. We say, if I don't have a perfect parent, I don't have to do this. I don't have to honor. I don't have to obey. I don't have to follow this commandment. This just applies to those people who don't exist, who have perfect human parents. We all have a perfect heavenly parent, a heavenly father, God, we, none of us have perfect human parents, and none of us are perfect human parents, myself at the front of that line. But still, God says, and so we have to ask ourselves, what's God getting at? Why does he give us this command? Because God gives us these commands for our benefit. He isn't giving us these commands because he wants us to have a horrible life. He's giving us these commands because he wants us to have a full life. Children, obey your parents. The Greek word for obey in the original text of Ephesians 6.1 is unakouete. So next time, those of you who do have little kids at home and they're misbehaving, saying, you are not unakoete being me. Maybe just go with obey. This word, the reason I put this up here is because this word literally means more than obey. And this might be kind of surprising to some that specifically and literally it means to hear and to listen attentively to our parents. You can hear and listen attentively even when you don't agree. To obey means to listen attentively, to answer, and to comply. But what about when our parents are disobedient to God? What about when they're teaching us to do things that are counter to God's will? Well, of course, then, we don't follow that. We follow, we have a higher power. We have a higher source of authority, and that's God our Father. But for the most part, God is saying, parents, you have a responsibility too, and we'll get to that in a moment, to make sure that what you're teaching is obedient to my word. On the next screen, the next verse, same chapter, Ephesians 6, God says something spectacularly important. This is the first commandment with a promise. The first three commandments that we've covered in the first three weeks of this series, really super important. But this is the first one that comes with a promise, and that's worth noting, because the promise is amazing. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on earth. Okay, one more survey. How many of you want to have things go well for you in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, then tune in. This commandment is for you. The Greek word for honor is tima. It means to put a value on, literally. To put a high price or a high worth. To say, my parent, you are worthy. You are valuable. I put a high price on the importance of you. You say, I just can't do that. You don't understand. God, God, God must not have been watching or something when my parents hurt me or messed with me or, or worst of all, abused me. There, there's no way I can honor that, can I? Absolutely not. You don't honor that. But you honor the person, not the behavior, not the sin. You don't bless the sin. 
But you honor the position even, if that's easier, instead of the person, the position of a, of a parent. But God provides a quick balance for us. And this is particularly for those of you who your stomachs are already in knots and your head's starting to explode and you say, this is just too hard. I, can, I can't take this because my parent was so horrible to me, or still is. And I have, I have such such turmoil that I carry with me. Certainly a God who loves me wouldn't want me to honor that person. God does provide some really important words for those who are hurting on this commandment. Those who are struggling with it is a better word for it. Those who, who it it does make our stomach kind of churn. On one hand, children have a responsibility. Not just little kids, adult children. You could be a young adult thinking about your middle-aged adult parents, or you could be a middle-aged adult thinking about your elderly parents. It applies to all of us. A wise child, any of us, accepts a parent's discipline. Discipline means teaching. A mocker refuses to listen. There's that word listen, which connects to honor again, literally. A, A mocker refuses to listen to correction. So that is the wisdom of God's word. But on the balance, on the other side of that equation... It's a whole lot easier to honor a parent who's honorable. And so God has a word for adults, lots of words for adults. Specifically in our chapter for our Bible reading today, Ephesians 6, the very next verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. This is repeated, the same sort of theme in Colossians chapter 3. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they'll become discouraged. And this happens. This is Tim McGraw, so so we'll do an illustration, a story, just to kind of provide a metaphor here. He's a famous country singer in real life. In the movies, he played an overbearing sports dad in a movie called Friday Night Lights Once Upon a Time. And he was so aggressive, he'll make any of you who feel like you've gone too far as a sports mom or a sports dad, he'll make you feel a little better about it. But he represents probably the worst in us. I mean, okay, so granted, this is Texas high school football, where high school football's a religion, where it's too important. We cannot relate to that here in Iowa, but imagine we can. (laughs) Where sometimes, just in certain pockets, maybe every once in a while, a sports parent or a sports uncle or, or aunt or grandparent or neighbor parent or who knows what gets a little too hepped up about the whole thing. And what we teach our kids isn't helpful. Look, we mean well. I've been there. Our kids all were heavily involved in youth sports. Two of them played college sports. It's a big part of their childhood, of their lives. It could be a really healthy, wonderful thing. We certainly thought it was. We're advocates for it. I announce the high school football games for one of our local high schools. I get excited about it. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm not anti-youth sports, quite the opposite. But what do we teach our kids? What are we passing on to the next generation when the whole rhythm of their life is uh, how are you performing on the field? Or, or, or uh, you know, in the choir or, or in your dance class or, or whatever, or in academics, in the classroom. How often do you think our kids get confused because they conclude, my mom, my dad loves me more when I excel. I get love from them, terms of endearment from them, only when I achieve, only when I'm a success by the world's standards. And when I'm not, I get a lot of criticism and I get a lot of pressure and I get a lot of push. 
What are we passing on to next generations when the most important thing, the thing we talk about at the dinner table every night, if we even have time for the dinner table, the thing that we're focused on is always, how are you performing? How are you, are you excelling? Are you at the top? Are you a starter? Are you first chair? Are you top of your class? Are you getting all the trophies? Are you getting all the awards? Why can't you be like that kid? Why can't you be like that one over there? You know, that one does all these things. How come you can't be like that one? Well, they're not like your kid. Every single one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit us together in our mother's womb. We're not an accident. Every single one of you is here on purpose for a purpose. Think about this. Think about what had to happen for you. I mean you, with your DNA, with your passions, with your personality, with your gifts, with with your talents, with your makeup. What had to happen for you to be here? Because there's never been another one of you and there'll never be another one of you on the face of this earth. So if you don't don't do you, who's going to do you? Your parents had to meet. And if nothing else, we can thank and honor our parents for that. If that's as far as the list goes, then that's as far as the list goes. But that's a pretty important part of the list. Not to mention how expensive it is to raise children. I read an article, it's $4.3 billion to raise a child. Okay, (laughs) I don't remember the number. But it's really big. It's a huge sacrifice, probably somebody made for you once upon a time. Adoptive parent, maybe. A grandparent, because your parents weren't there for you, so you ended up living with them and growing up with an aunt or an uncle, or whatever it might be. Huge sacrifice. Honor that. Honor the fact that somebody labored to bring you into this world, because somebody did. Your mom. Honor that. Even if the list is very short, you can fulfill this commandment, and then we'll talk about the rest of it, directed by God's word as we go. But what are we passing on to kids? What are we teaching them in this wisdom of this world when we say, you know, if you disagree with somebody, just dismiss them. If they do something wrong, they're out. Don't show them any love. Whatever happened to relationships being more important than behavior? Whatever happened to the timeless truth of God's word, which majors in grace, You know, the grace that God, as our Heavenly Father, gives for us as his rebellious children. Because every single one of us are. Do we really want a world of justice where there's justice without grace? Really? Then we have no hope. Not one of us has any hope for getting our Heavenly Father's love. Because we have completely ruined it by our sin, by the things that we do that are outside the boundaries of our Heavenly Father's will as his children. Because God has grace for us, when that fills us up, it naturally overflows, pours, it saturates us, so then it starts to leak, it starts to pour out of us. And if it isn't pouring out of you, step back. Go back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember who you are and whose you are, and how much God has done to give you life, and all the things that had to line up. You're not an accident, even if the pregnancy that brought you into this world was accidental. God made you on purpose. You are here for a reason. Not just your parents had to get together. Sally and I have been doing some family ancestry tree type stuff lately. It's fascinating. Some of it we knew. Some of it just blows us away surprises. Turns out I'm Venezuelan. Who knew? (laughs) I mean, a very teeny, teeny, tiny part of me is. But I think that's kind of cool. It explains nothing. But I mean, it's just interesting. (laughs) So 
not just my parents had to meet, but their parents had to meet, and my grandparents' parents had to meet, and I, how many generations do you want to go back? Do you realize how many things had to happen for you to exist the way you exist? Honor that. Honor that. Honor, honor those who've brought you into this world, even if you have disputes with them and conflicts with them. Even if you have a dad who's as overbearing as Tim McGraw's character in Friday Night Lights. Take a look. This will make you feel better if you feel like you've gone too far. You haven't gone this far. At least I hope not. Are you sure he's part of your gene pool, Charlie? Alert. Alert, everybody. What about the expectations of coaching a team like this in a community like this? Well, I guess there's always a surprise or two in every community. Ball, just concentrate on hanging on the ball. Both hands, okay? Hey. Both hands, that's Johnny. all. Hey, come here. Come here. What's the problem? Get off the field, Dad. Why can't you hold on to football? Tell me why you can't do it. Just tell me. That's all I want to know. I'll, I'll try better next time. Come on. Hey. Why don't you walk away from me? You walk away from me when I'm talking to you. You hear me? Tell me why you can't hold on to the ball. Enough. Come on, Mr. Billy. Listen, Billy answer a question. It's first day of practice, Mr. Billy. You better wait. hold on. Seriously. Mr. Billy. Good girl. Not Charlie. Okay. Embarrassing me out here. Okay. All right. That's all right. Don't worry about it. Here we go. That slot right. Hey, Billy Lee, you ain't got to worry about holding on to the ball, man. Why's that? Because you ain't going to get the ball. Your job is to be blocking for Boob. I don't care if your daddy is over there crying. You can talk. You shut up, do you? Our team's been playing with each other for a long time, and uh, we got the brotherhood part of it down. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Why do you think that kid picked a fight with his fellow running back? Because it's what he learned. It's what he got from his dad. You ever heard the phrase, hurting people hurt people? Children learn what they live? Of course he's going to pick fights with everybody, which is just a, another kind of quick tangent and aside, a word for the body of Christ. When you see disagreeable behavior, it's not about condoning it, it's not about blessing the sin, it's not about calling right that which is wrong. What's wrong is wrong. And it needs to be named. It's wrong to pick a fight with your fellow running back and tackle him at practice. It's wrong. There's nothing right about it. I'm not going to bless the sin. But have a little grace for the person. Why is he doing it? Because his father does it to him. Why is his father doing it? Because well, he was a star running back and his son isn't living up to his expectations. And he's embarrassed in front of the other parents. But it's deeper than that, isn't it? Probably because that father learned the same thing from his father. And maybe that father from the father before him. The Bible talks about this. The sins of generations that get passed on one to another to another. Unless somebody has the courage to break the cycle. Which is why this commandment is so important. Your kids are noticing, even if you're 88 years old, your kids are noticing how you treat your family, how you, what you say about them, how you talk about them. Is it gossip? Is it, is it, is it demeaning stuff? Is it, or is it encouragement and uplifting things and, and words of grace? 
Because that's what gets passed on. Children learn what they live. Hurting people are going to hurt people. The fights that break out at school, the... the, Community-wide, if we look at the crime, if we look at all the things, do you think people are just committing crimes because they're just terrible people? Or is it what they've learned? Is it what has been passed on to them? This is why family matters in the Bible. This is why on the top of the list of the commandments of table two, God's going to start with family. God's going to start with a home. God's going to start with how do we treat each other inside of our own household or households? How are we going to do that? The yellow lights start flashing, though, and and so God's word provides this balance. God says to adults, it would be easier to honor you if you were honorable. It would be easier to obey you if you were obedient to God's word. Jesus says to adults who cause any child to sin, like a father who teaches by example his son, anytime he gets embarrassed, anytime he gets teased, it's time for a physical fight. No, it's not. And if you have any courage and you have any strength, you realize it's not. It's not time to get into a physical fight just because somebody's ribbing you and teasing you and poking you. But if it's all you know, it's what you're going to do. So Jesus says, if that's what you're passing on, adults, to the next generation, to kids, it'd be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea instead of teaching these children how to sin. Break the cycle. Be a hero. And again, it starts with you and your relationship with your good and perfect Heavenly Father. The Psalms say this. Psalm chapter 27, verse 10. Let's read this together. Because we remember better what we actually say. Soak this up wherever you are. Let's read Psalm 27, verse 10 together. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Read that a couple more times while I preach just a little more on it. You may have the worst parenting situation of any kid in the state of Iowa or wherever you're listening to this sermon. You may um, have practically nothing on that list of things that you say are honorable about your parents. In fact, there'd be a really long list of all the things that are dishonorable, that were done to you, that were hurtful, that were painful, that were damaging. And the world would say, carry those wounds to your grave. Carry those, don't make peace with any of it. Don't find any truth that'll set you free from it. Carry the weight of it. Carry the burden of it. You say, well, if I just dismiss it, then I don't carry it anymore. Yeah, you do, actually. That's the thing. That's the problem with the wisdom of this world when it comes to these things. And so we turn back to the timeless truth of God's word who reminds us, start with me. Start with my relationship with you. You haven't earned it, Mike, God says to me. You haven't earned it either, anybody who's hearing my voice right now. We haven't earned our Heavenly Father's love. Not by our behavior, it's sinful. And yet God loves us. And he tells us anytime we open up his living word and read it, Anytime we hear the truth of his word proclaimed, and you hear as you're about to hear right now, God loves you. Do you know how important that is? I was in Costco this last week, and as I was walking through, a guy who's selling flooring, who's a part of our church family, says, hey, Pastor Mike, I said, hey, how you doing? And I kept walking out, because, you know, you got to get checked off, and you got to make sure you didn't steal anything, and then you get out the door. 
So I get out the door, and I'm, I'm walking out into the parking lot, and I hey, Pastor Mike. It was him. He's like, yeah, what's up? He goes, I just want to tell you. And the waterworks start coming. This is the power of God's love. He said, you remember that sermon a few weeks ago where you said God loves me? For the first time in my life, I realized you weren't just talking to the whole congregation. You were talking to me. God was talking to me, more importantly. I said, yeah, I'm just the messenger. I'm not the one who's got that for you. I'm just announcing the truth that'll set you free. Listen to me. God loves you. You. Your heavenly Father loves you. Soak in that. Let it saturate your soul. Let it spill out of you because it's going to change your life in a way nothing else has the power to. God loves you. Not just the congregation, all of us sort of generally speaking in a religious sort of distant way, in a very personal way, the way a good and perfect dad loves his children. God loves you. God loves you. Even if your father and mother abandon you, the Lord holds you close. Man, that's healing. That's transformational. That's a confidence booster unlike anything else we could ever hear or receive. It's a truth that'll set us free. And now we're going to start seeing other people the way God sees us. How do we do that? Well, what if my parent isn't honorable? Don't fake it, face it. I am not sending out, you know, usually 20 to 30,000 people online and in person hear these sermons on a weekend at Hope. I do not want to send 20 to 30,000 people to Thanksgiving dinner next month across the table with 17 people sitting there. We need to have it out right now. Because I heard in a sermon I shouldn't fake it anymore, I need to face it. And I don't like you at all. That is not what God's word is telling us. That's not what I'm saying either. Don't fake it, face it though. Next screen. Don't, uh, or do honor your parents by being honest with your parents. Find the right time and the right place if you need to have this conversation. And a lot of us do. Find the right time and the place. Say this with love. What does the scripture say? In the same book of the Bible as our Bible reading, Ephesians, it says, speak your truth, but don't speak it if you can't speak it in love. Let your motivation be love. You don't have to like what the person has done to you, but you have to love the person for at least, at a minimum, bringing you into this world, being a part of that, at a minimum, and maybe for the sacrifices that they made along the way, the, the selfless things that they did to provide for you. And, and maybe the list goes a whole lot longer than that, but then there's some issues. There's some messes. There's some things that are a burden to you that need to be sorted out. Look, if you, if you can shake them off and there's no worries, then shake them off and there's no worries. You don't have to bring up everything, you know. Remember, Dad, that time you told me my toenail didn't look right? I'm very upset about that. I've been carrying it forever. Oh, jeez. Okay, well, if you've got to talk about it, talk about it. I'm talking about the serious stuff. Honor your parents by being honest with them. This is hard. And nice Iowa Midwesterners, sometimes we'd rather fake it. So we show up for these family gatherings and act like everything's just fine. But inside, I mean, on the way, if it takes you like two hours 
to, to like work through everything that just happened at a family gathering by telling somebody else everything that was so terrible about it? It might be time to have some more honest conversations, especially if it's with a parent or parents. Start with the love list. Start with the here. I really do sincerely love you for this, for bringing me to this world, for sacrificing what you've done for me and for whatever else. And then one-on-one, not one-on-seventeen, so everybody is, you know, an audience for this. Just you and the parent. Sit down and have a good and an honest, clarifying conversation. Words of truth spoken in love. With grace. The same grace God gives to you. Let it pour out. If you do this, life will go well for you. This is the first commandment that comes with a promise. Honor your parents by being honest with your parents. It takes courage to make peace with parents. Because if we don't, here's why God commands this. But this is so hard, God. It is hard. I'm not saying it isn't hard. God isn't saying it isn't hard. But it's what we got to do to find the better life, the more abundant life, the better way, the deeper truth. It's the only pathway. Because if we don't, we're going to be stuck in a revolving door like the Will Ferrell character in Elf. Round and round he goes. Now, he's having fun for a couple of minutes, but I guarantee you, you do that for a few days, it gets old. Some of us have been doing this for decades. Round and round we go, and it's because it's what we learned. Children learn what they live. You fake it. You don't face it. You you don't have honest conversations. You you speak your truth, but you don't do it in love. You you don't have any grace for the people you're talking to about these things. As if I'm perfect, and the people who hurt me are imperfect. You have a a, a little bit more, well, honesty about that. We repeat what we don't repair. We pass along to the next generation what has been passed along to us. Unless, I'm getting dizzy, so the next screen. (laughs) Unless there's a hero somewhere in your family tree. Like my dad is for his side of the family, for for my brothers and me, for our kids, I hope. For their kids, I hope. You see, this is a generational thing. The Bible has language about sins that are generational. They get passed on. Children learn what they live, one after another. If you have three generations of ancestors who are alcoholics, you have a decent chance of becoming an alcoholic. If you have three generations of gossipers in front of you, you have a really good chance of being a gossiper. If you have five generations of abuse passed on to you, it's more likely you might do the same for the next generation unless you become the one who breaks the cycle, who breaks out of that revolving door. And not only is that going to bless you and the people right around you, it's going to bless your family, listen to this, for generations. You're going to set a new normal. You're going to set a new precedent. I know this. I've lived this. This is my life experience. My dad, my grandpa, let me tell you about my grandpa. John Thomas Householder Sr. My dad's John Thomas Householder Jr. But everyone called him Tommy or Tom. Everyone called my grandpa John. John was awesome as a grandpa. He was magic. He was the best. He had the funniest stories. He had little quips and sayings. He was super brilliant. He was a math whiz. He didn't need a calculator. He could look at a column of numbers and boom, he'd tell you what it adds up to. He would do the New York Times crossword when he would visit us in our house in ink, in pen. He said, I'm not going to make any mistakes. What do I need a pencil for? And he just whizzed right through the thing. This is my grandpa householder. He's magic. 
And then as I got older, I realized he and my dad don't get along. I mean, they don't get, they, they get together, but whew, they don't get along. And a lot of times on the way home, my dad's just, oh, what was that? He faked it until he faced it. My grandpa was super hardworking, and my dad worked for him. He was a building contractor and a painter and a wallpaper guy. He moved to Alaska in the middle of the Depression, my grandpa did, to provide for his family. A lot of really admirable traits. But never once, my father's entire childhood, did he tell my dad that he loved him. He thought it would be too soft. He thought he wouldn't make my dad strong enough. Quite the opposite is what happened in that regard. My dad's very strong, but who was he begging for his dad to tell him he loved him? My dad was an all-state basketball player, and his dad, my grandpa, never went to one of his games. In fact, he demeaned him. He mocked him. He says, why would I waste my time going to a game? People are bouncing, wearing shorts and bouncing a ball around and throwing it into a hoop. You shouldn't, instead of playing those games, Tom, my dad, you should be working with me. You shouldn't be making an honest living. He said that well into, like, my junior high years. But my dad broke the cycle. I played high school basketball in Chicago, and our team was racially mixed, about half white, half black. But when, when we would go to some of the neighborhoods that were known to be notoriously violent and unsafe, none of our parents would show up. Except for one, my dad. He's a pastor, he'd wear his old traditional clergy collar to make it even more embarrassing for me. <laughs> We'd come out and, and there'd be one fan cheering for us. Hey, go Eagles! And my teammates would be like, House, your dad's here. I'm like, I'm well aware. Not to mention he's the only white man in the grandstands. So he kind of stands out that way too. My dad would cheer for me when I'd make a layup in warm-ups. <laughs> Way to go, son! Woo! Do you know why? He's overcompensating for what he didn't get. And I was really embarrassed at the time. But I'm so grateful, I'm telling you. You know what I'd give to go back in time? To make a layup in warm-ups at Collins High School on the south side of Chicago and hear my dad cheer for me? That's love. That's a hero. That's a uh, champion who didn't pass on what he got, who rebelled in this way against a complicated but really good guy, but not a great father in every respect, his dad, who rebelled and changed and, and made it better. So as I got older, I noticed my dad and my grandpa didn't get along. And at first I just thought, well, you know, that's how it is with grandparents. Grandparents and grandkids get along so well because they have a common enemy. I mean, I was putting that all together <laughs> and, I, and I was seeing it for the way it is. But then I noticed something really spectacular. My dad started calling my grandpa every Saturday morning. Sometimes they'd talk more than that, but every Saturday morning it was a, it was a permanent appointment. My dad would 
pick up the phone and say to his dad, years before his dad ever returned the favor, I love you, dad. At the end of every conversation, I love you. My dad was facing it instead of faking it. He had the courage to have honest conversations with his dad about it. And as my dad is fond of saying, you didn't make this up, maybe you had a parent who said this too, you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar, Mike. And so he wore my grandpa, his dad, down with love. It's the only thing powerful enough to do it. He wore him down with grace. He could have said, my dad doesn't deserve these phone calls. He wouldn't have given them to me. He wouldn't give me the time of day sometimes. He'd mock me, demean me. Didn't tell me he loved me. He doesn't deserve me to tell him I love him. But somebody had to break the cycle. Because he did, that's what I learned. So that's quite naturally what I passed along imperfectly to our kids. And I hope and pray that's what they will pass on to our grandkids now that are coming into existence. It is a huge deal if you become the hero. And maybe this is God's way of getting your attention. You need to rise up and be the hero. You need to break the cycle. You need to be the one who believes God when he says, behold, I'm making all things new. And you need to believe that if you're a Christian, it means you belong to Christ. And if you do, then the new creation has come. The old is gone. You're walking with a power, and you're going to tap into it. The new is here. Be that person. There's a movie that came out years ago called The Terminal. I love this movie. It's about a guy played by Tom Hanks. His name is Victor, and, and he flies to New York City, the JFK airport, and we aren't sure why. We aren't told until about two-thirds of the way through the meeting, through the movie. And as he, the reason he ends up stuck in JFK airport for months is because when he's in the air between this fictional country he's from, I think they call it Crocatia or something in this movie, as he's flying... His country literally blows up. There's a coup. The government is overthrown, so his passport is meaningless. His visa is denied to go into the United States. The airport authorities tell him, you're stuck here. You can't fly home because your government isn't there anymore, and they won't accept your, your passport, and you can't leave this airport. You're, you're just stuck here. So he makes the most of it. He learns the English language better as he goes. There's all these kind of fun and comedic sort of uh, relationships that he develops, all these characters. He, uh, he, he meets a woman he becomes friends with who's a, a flight attendant for United Airlines. I would show you that clip where he finally tells us what's in the can that he's been carrying around for months at JFK Airport while his life is waiting. Why he flew here in the first place. But I can't show you the clip because I'm mad at Google. <laughs> And apparently when I showed this clip earlier today, they cut us off. <laughs> truth and love. The only thing I don't understand about that is, if anything, we're getting way more people to watch this movie than we are. And we have a license to show it in a live audience. But apparently on Google YouTube, which I, lo I love you guys, you're the best at trying to take over the whole world <laughs> and limiting God's word with metaphors and illustrations. But So I'll describe it. He opens up the can and then he shows his friend, this flight attendant from United Airlines, these autographs of famous American jazz musicians. And he's missing one from Benny Golson, the saxophone player who still lives to this day. 
The reason he's flown to New York, it's revealed in this really beautiful scene that I'd love to show you. There's tears, there's emotion, there's all of it. The reason he flew to New York City is to honor his father who died years ago and for 40 years of his life loved American jazz and sent letters to these heroic American jazz musicians and simply asked for one thing, that they would sign their name on a piece of paper and send it to him in Crocatia. And then he died and Victor says, how can I honor my father? I'll fly to New York and get the one remaining autograph from Benny Golson that my father never got. Honor your father and your mother. If you do, the Bible says, it will go well for you. Not just for others, and not even just for generations to come. It'll go well for you. For you. I can show this clip, the way the movie ends, because it's shorter. Apparently that's inside the boundaries and the laws. So look what happens to Victor, played by Tom Hanks, once he accomplishes his mission. This is a commandment that comes with a promise. If you abide by it, not just know it and memorize it, but if you apply it and live it out, things will go well for you. You want to go? I am going home. That's the peace of God that passes all human understanding. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you do this, things will go well for you. Things will go well for you. It'll be better for you. This is easy if you have a good dad, a good mom. If you're a kid living at home, listen to your parents. Be obedient to them. Honor them. Listen to them attentively. If you're someone who has a parent and you have a strained relationship like I experienced between my dad and his dad, Growing up, be the hero, be the champion, be the cycle breaker. It'll go well for you if you apply this command to your life. And that's what God wants, because he loves his children. He loves you.
and he wants what's best for you. So he says, do this, and it'll set you free. It's interesting, that's what Victor does with his freedom. He's finally released from the airport. He goes straight to see the jazz musician and to get his autograph, the one that his father could never get, waiting 40 years for it. And when he gets it, the joy, the freedom, the peace, that's waiting. That's waiting for some of you on the other side of moving from fake it to face it, of being honest, speaking truth and love, letting God's love fill you up and pour out of you. God loves you, so go out and love others. Start with your parents. Let's pray. Gracious Lord God, we thank you for our parents, the, uh, the amazing ones, the imperfect ones. We even say thank you and with honor for them, for the ones who uh, were hurtful. We thank you for the things they did, that they brought us into this world and maybe sacrificed for us in some way. But I want to pray specifically, God, not just for those who have joy in their hearts in praising you for a parent or parents who have blessed them so much and appointed them to you and to your amazing grace and to your transformational love. But I specifically want to pray for those who hear my voice right now, wherever they are, who've been heartbroken over a parent, who've been hurt by a parent, who've been um, mistreated by a parent. God, touch them with your healing hand. Remind them of the power of your overwhelming love and offer them peace. God, remind us when our parents are imperfect that it isn't our fault, that we aren't a mistake, that you made us on purpose. But remind us, too, of your power to transform, to change. Inspire us to be the champions, the heroes who break the cycle, who don't pass down what we've inherited to pass down more of you and less of the sin of this world. God, let your light shine for us. Let it reflect off of us. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your commands. Thank you for loving us as a good and perfect Heavenly Father who cares enough about his children that he gives us these words that won't just bless others, but they'll bless us. Thank you for your love. We love you too. And all God's people said in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's stand up and give God praise with this song.